Bring it. Hello and welcome to Feud for Thoughts. Now you might notice again this week that sadly Ben has ditched me. You've got the beautiful tones of Martin on his own today. Uh, oh, well, not actually on my own because I have found uh, an honourable guest, and I use that term very lightly, uh, to come in and speak with us today as well. Um, but yeah, it's been a bit of an interesting week so far. Uh, lots of interesting things happening. Uh, with terms of job stuff, Ben's obviously working away, trying to get in some money for uh, himself. And so consequently, it just means that our timings are drifting off a little bit. But we are scheduled to record next week, so he will be back and we will be going on from there. Uh, this week, however, I decided, I don't know if it's going to go against me or not at any point, we will see. But I, I leaned on uh, one of my members of staff who worked with me at the Doctor Who Time Fracture, uh, who is a budding actor himself. So uh, it's more a bit of a chat about what's what it entails now. Obviously, it's different to when I started out. He's just starting out. He's a young lad, uh, moderately good looking. I wouldn't sort of, you know, uh, say he's Brad Pitt-esque, but he's uh, a talented young man who should hopefully do well, but obviously he's finding things a bit different to what me and Ben do when we chat about this stuff. Uh, So it'd be interesting to see how he's getting on. So might as well crack on with this one then. Let me welcome onto today uh, Ainsley. You can unmute yourself and say hello. Hello. There he is. Hi, how's it going? I don't know if we're still going to have a delay here, but we are going to try and plod on as we go, so thanks for coming on and saying hi to everybody uh, listening all no over the world um, who are desperate to hear your crackling sound uh, and thoughts on stuff. One thing that Ben and oh. I do when we have a guest on is we go through some of our old topics to get their opinions on some very hard-hitting um, stories that we've discussed, and so it'll be good to get your opinion on some of these and see how... Uh, a younger chap like yourself in this generation. I say younger. How old are you? 24. 24, yeah. Substantially younger than you. Substantially, okay, okay, yeah. Getting the digs in early. I like it, okay. Just remember, uh, I I am still the guy who does your hours and (laughs) wages and stuff. You you are, yeah. Yeah. Uh, So, first one, hard-hitting topic, this. So, what would you say, Ainsley, is your favourite go-to crisp flavour? Crisp flavour. Yeah, weren't there. expecting that, were you? No, I wasn't. Um, it it depends. So if I'm if it's just a, a normal day at the office, I'm, I'm a standard salt and vinegar kind of person. But that usually comes down to whether it's only ready salted salt and vinegar or cheese and onion I've got to choose from. If right. I have a variety of flavours, then I go for prawn cocktail. Prawn cocktail. There are more so, flavours out there, you know. Like I don't know if you've ever looked at the crisp. There are, yes, but there are, but you can try to tell them that's our Tesco Express just around the corner because they only ever seem to have cheese and onion already salted crisps. So I don't get neither salt nor vinegar or prawn cocktail in that situation. It's a hard life. Is Tesco your nearest shop then, is it? It is a Tesco Express, not even a big Tesco, a tiny little Tesco Express. You must have a 
like a bigger supermarket somewhere nearby. I don't even know where you live. I know it's obviously London. Little, 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 little. It's, it's a hard life down here in Tooting. We have a little, Tooting, we have a little, which is at the end of our road. But uh, I can't be bothered to walk that far, so I just go to Tesco Express, to be honest. Okay, so we're going for salt and vinegar. Particular brand? Uh, Walkers. Walkers yeah, it is, isn't it? Not, not normal walkers, walkers big. That's what I have every time you see me in our briefings at Doug New Time Factor. It's always a packet of salt and vinegar, walkers big crisps. I'm clearly not, not that observant as to what you're eating. I mean, you are, I have to say, out of all the members of staff, you regularly come in eating. Like, there's, like, you always have something. <laughs> I do, yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, but McDonald's usually, I think, is your, um, Food of choice, which again, as discussed on here, I've never been to a McDonald's, so I don't know why you find this such a delicacy considering there's all those different you've, shops. You've never been to a McDonald's. No, I'm pretty certain we've had this chat. No, you've got to your ripe old age and you still haven't been to a McDonald's. <laughs> Knocking that old age stuff about, aren't we? Uh, no, I've not, I've not been to a McDonald's. I have, uh, when I was training in London, uh, there was a McDonald's on the corner where we're from. And I did a couple of times have one of the, someone bought me the milkshakes, which was like sucking concrete up a straw. But um, other than that, say, that's, yeah. that's all I've pretty much ever had from them, really. But that was years ago. I mean, I don't even know if they still do milkshakes, to be fair, do they? They do. They, they do it's very, very, very they'll find the machines working. The law the is to tell you the Oh, you've got to make your own? Working. Oh, no, right. no, 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 no. But they'll make it for you. They're kind enough to make it for you. <laughs> so However, yeah, it's really kind of them. However, um, it's very rare that you find that the machines work and whatever that means. Right. So they're just too lazy to do a milkshake these days. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, Everything so. just comes out of one pipe. Ben Elton, once, I'm sure it was Ben Elton, did one stand up routine about McDonald's, which always made me laugh, where he just had this thing that one day everything will just come out of one pipe. It'll just be like this big pipe that comes out, and there'll just be a burger or a milk, and yes. just shoot out of this pipe. So everything's just crap. I think there. McDonald's just... halfway there, to be honest. Well, and yet you keep going. Although I think you were saying the one in Bond Street where we go, there's always some kind of contentious rivalry going on in there, is there? There is, for some strange reason, their staff members do not get on. There's always an argument going on. I mean, it's good for us, the customers. The paying customer gets a bit of entertainment while we're in for the hamburger. But like pro- um, proper shouting at yeah. each other. Proper over the counter. Well, it's, the best part is, it's they're not tall enough to see over the counter, and it's too far to bend down. So they're kind of through this gap in the wall, bending through this gap in the wall, trying to shout at each other. It's right. very entertaining. I'd recommend it if you don't. If you're not going to McDonald's for the food, go for the entertainment. Just go That's for the theatre. Yeah, the theatre is is fun. Uh, all right, the next hard hitting topic: favorite biscuit. Oh, now we've had this discussion in work. This is this is a very important question. It is. Apparently. So, I've I've said so. I'm a fan of. If we're keeping it simple, I'm a chocolate digestive kind of a man. And you are simple. But if I push it, but if I'm, thank you very much. <laughs> but if I'm pushing the board out, I love a good hobnob. A I hobnob? A good hobnob. Like and a, I think a, if I can get a chock, if I can get a chocolate hobnob, then I'm sorted. They do sell those. However, 
How, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've had them many a time. But yeah, I'm a big stickler. <laughs> I'm a massive stickler for if you have the choice between a digestive and a rich tea, and we've had this discussion, if you're yeah. a rich tea person, if you're a rich tea person, if you would choose, if you would voluntarily choose rich tea, then there's something seriously wrong with you, in my opinion. Well, no, because I, I ha- we've had this chat on this podcast. Feel free to go back and listen to it at some point. Where I, I vehemently stand by the credibility of the rich tea. It is absolutely not a fantastic biscuit, and if dunked right, it is perfect. But no, no, people no, you, either you dunk it too well, long you, or not long enough. It's a very hit and miss situation with the dunking. I will accept that. Okay, so mind you, a hobnob you just ever, takes up all your drink. Like literally, it soaks up everything. Exactly. That's what you want from a biscuit. Otherwise, what's the no. point of dunking it? What's the point in having the tea? No, because, right, in one time you've dunked a rich tea biscuit and haven't had residue at the bottom of your cup when you finish your cup of tea. Uh, why, why have See, I got you residue? Can't. You can't. Well, no, I don't notice the residue. Why have I got residue at the bottom of my tea? Because the rich tea is not a concrete enough structure to be able to hold itself when being done. Concrete enough structure. I, don't, uh, not- I mean, I'd have to, I don't think it's the rich tea that's giving you any residue. I think it's probably the water in London that's giving you that residue. You, <laughs> you know what? You're not wrong. <laughs> because we'll I don't, have, I, I, we'll I don't notice to- it. What are you defining as residue? I'll have to go back on. It's, it's the crumbly of the, the biscuit. You're dunking a whole circular biscuit and you pull out a sort of crescent-like shape. Now, that crescent-like shape should come from your bite. It shouldn't fall into your tea when you dunk well, it. Well, that's you. That's what I'm saying about getting the dunk right. You're either dunking it too long or not long enough. It's a dunk, not a soak. You're not, you don't bathe it. You just dunk the biscuit. Anyway. We'll agree to disagree. No, no, you, but you might as you might as well be dunking cardboard. Might, no, because it's a nice sweet biscuit. It's a sweet taste, and when it's soaked in a bit of liquid, it's a beautiful taste as well. Whereas with the obnob, you're still picking it out your teeth like ten minutes later. It's it's all just crap in your mouth. It's like that's like yeah, eating. I'm, I'm, get, I'm getting my money's worth. Well, yeah, there is that, I suppose. That's what people say about when you have, like, a what's-its. You do your very, like, crisp sandwich. If you have, like, oh, a, yeah. a what's-it crisp sandwich, it's there with you for days. Like, you know, you just... Yeah, it's there with you for days. It's in your nails. It's like curry. <laughs> yeah. a, good curry. a good curry should always stay in your fingers, in my opinion. Oh, well, or stay in your fingers. Why, why yeah, do you use that... a knife and fork? Well, but it's hard to come by in the northeast. We don't have knives and forks up there. <laughs> Do you we not? Just use our hands. Yeah. yeah, you've just discovered no. electricity up there, haven't you, really? Yeah. Um, okay, then, do you have... In fact, no, I'm going to leave that one for later, because I think that were... But, okay, so a night to remember. Have you ever had an embarrassing night out? And I know you have, so you might as well just tell me one of them. <laughs> so, I was going to uh, say, it's, <laughs> the difficulty isn't have I had an embarrassing night, it's which one do I kind of say which well, which one do you want to say? Which has been your most em- uh, embarrassing evening? Well, actually, this was this was titled "Night to Remember." And I'm fairly certain that's what we ended up speaking about. But I think the general gist of that particular episode was um, like nights to rem- like good nights as well. But um, I-, I think it's more interesting for people to tell me about the bad nights. So nights to remember for the wrong reasons. Um. 
a relatively recent one actually just while it's fresh in my brain was I have this thing when I've when I've had a drink I'm very much the sort of person who feels like he can solve all the world's problems you like that so that's what are talking about <laughs> yeah well it's even worse when I've had a drink so there was we it was basically I was doing a course a little short course and we'd made friends over this over the period like a couple of weeks and it was our last night out together and the majority of that night I spent speaking to two strangers one of which the guy had a girlfriend but then was really interested in his friend but didn't know how to tell her that he liked her and then the friend was also interested in him but didn't want to go there because he had a girlfriend and I stood with the two of them talking to each other trying to make them fall in love and when the people I actually knew my friends from the course came to say goodbye to me. I pushed them away and said, wait a minute, I've nearly got this down. So the, my final interaction with some of the most lovely people who I spent three weeks on a course with was get away from me. I'm trying to solve this marriage crisis. Right. That's your, that's your most, that's your night to remember is you trying to solve a marriage crisis with people. I mean, it's not. I've got, sto- I've got, I've got, I've got stories where I've proved my pants, but I didn't think that was appropriate for whatever time it is on a Friday afternoon. No, I'm good with that. Tell me one of them. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> set yourself I'll up for you that one, one. To be fair. Yeah. Okay. Right. So we were we were in Rome. Rome. A few of um, me and my mates were in Rome. It, it was actually with the school. It was a school trip. I remember it now. And. What happened was, is, I don't know why, why I'm telling you this. Hang hey, on, you went on a school trip to yeah. Rome? A school trip to Rome? Oh, I went to a Catholic school, you got to remember, so... What's that mean? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the Vatican City and all that. Oh, right, okay. So, yeah. it was one of them ones. And what happened was, is I went to the uh, toilet in the hotel, and what happened was, is there wasn't any toilet paper left. So I was kind of in a predicament where I was going, there's no loophole. How am I going to wipe my behind, basically? And what they did have was is some, like, Dettol cleaning wipes. So what I'd done was is I went, went, I'm going to have to use them. So I just used the Dettol wipes. But what I hadn't realized was is I used the wipes, flushing down the toilet. As far as I was concerned, it was fine. And... We went out um, for the rest of the night and people kept complaining about a sort of stench <laughs> and there was this really horrible smell going about. And I then, after, say, half an hour, I became increasingly conscious of the fact that the smell was following me around. <laughs> so I, I went to the bathroom. I went to the bathroom. And you know those, like, full-length mirrors that they have in, like, disabled toilets? No, I used yeah, I right. used one of them. I used one of them. I thought you'd be used to a disabled toilet. So I used one of them. Why? And then I don't know. But <laughs> then um I used I used one of them. I turned around and basically instead of wiping my backside um clean, what I'd actually done with the wipe was smear <laughs> the whole of my bum and my lower back. <laughs> with my own feces. <laughs> there you go. Is that embarrassing enough for you? Are you satisfied now? How on earth did you not know that you'd done this? 
Because what happened was, is with the wipe, usually I feel like when you're wiping, what you're doing is, is you're continuously just wiping away until you essentially get a clean bit of toilet roll and then you're finished. So what was happening with the wipe was, is I was getting frustrated because it was never going clean. <laughs> so I think I, I think I'd got I think I think I got to a stage where I was just like surely it must be clean by now, <laughs> and then settled for it. And then little did I know I'd actually just smeared it all over my bum and all up my back. Well, don't ask us, don't ask us why I kind of got to my back, but <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, uh, there's so sounds, many questions. Sound... That has made it all worth it right there. What a absolute yeah. plonker. Wow, yes, okay. Yes. I wasn't expecting that, but fair play. You really went into it. All right, I'll give, I'll give you more of an easier one then. <laughs> All right, what's, yeah, please, know, please um, do, please do. What's, have you ever watched something and, well, either way you want to do this one, something that you will have watched that you were under the impression it was going to be complete garbage, but it turned out to be amazing, or... Something you thought was going to be really good, but it turned out to be complete garbage. Yes, actually, I have. And what it is, is Channel 4's Naked Attraction. Well, that is garbage. Wait, wait, wait for it. Were you on it? So I I I was on it. Do you not remember me? (laughs) I was in your selection that you had to do. (laughs) All right. And then... What happened was, is I, like many of the rest of the public, watched that and watched the first episode it was aired and was like, what the hell is this? This is, this is absolutely crazy. But then when I seen it was on the TV guide, when it was next on the telly, I kind of couldn't help but watch it again. It's strangely, it's one of those things where it's strangely compelling and you have to, like, I have to watch it now. Curiosity will always get the better of me. I have to know when it was different. When the, when the panel slides up, if I'm if if I've seen the lower half, I might as well see the top half. Is my logic? Well, I mean, it should, I I have I don't think I've seen a whole episode of that all the way through, kind because it kind of it's it's very it's more the presenter as well who does my head in. It, it's very it's a it's a very weird show that. To be fair, I can see why people like it, and you know we all have this sort of. Um, perverse thing about reality stuff and if there's like real people who are there who are getting naked it's kind of a weird thing that we all seem to gravitate to but yeah for me it was just I just didn't see the point of it like that's never going to be a situation in real life though is it like you're never going to meet (laughs) and see them naked prior to knowing them It's, it's just such a random sort of you need, you need to go more embarrassing so, nights out, Martin. Oh, I've got plenty of embarrassing nights out. But still, the um, like the thing with uh, what Alana keeps making me watch is these, I say making me watch, they've become sort of a guilty pleasure. Are, are these sort of dating shows and stuff? Like there's one, there's Married at First Sight Australia, which we're currently watching, which is where you marry someone who you've never seen before. So you meet See, them. See, that's wild to me. You see them literally at the altar and then you have to move in together and start living together. And that's quite fascinating to me because you sort of marry and you try and build this relationship based on these experts putting you together. And it's actually, in fairness, an interesting sort of 
test on like society and things like that. And there's another one which is where they talk to each other through screens. Um, like you can't, they go into these pods and they're, they're, there's like, I don't know, eight girls and eight guys and they take it in turns talking to each other. They go on like a date, but it, they never see each other. It's always via a wall between them. And so you date these people without ever physically seeing them. You get to know them personally wise and then... Not but, blind date with Silla Black, is it? No, no, no. It's, it's like that. <laughs> I was going to say, that's, that's, that's before and, my time. And your get out is that you ask that person to marry you. So you date and then you ask them to, you again, go through this process of then, I don't think they actually marry. I think they then uh, live together and um, uh, after that decide whether they want to actually get married or not uh, officially. Uh, but they're really good experiments to see how people react in those situations. I do question how much of it is for the camera and how much of it is actually genuine. Like, I'd love to see, but again... Oh, absolutely. To see it, you will therefore be recording it and therefore playing for the camera. But, but to, to sort of see that happen in real life would be an interesting experiment. I've often wanted to experiment on public, like just set up different experiments and see who does what when they're in the real world with certain situations. Um, Let's do it with Doctor Who. I feel like we should do it with Doctor Who. We could. We should just keep pranking people all the time. Just keep uh, Which is people. actually what we do quite a lot. Um at work. So your guilty pleasure then is just seeing people naked. That's pretty standard for a 24-year-old guy, to be fair. Is there no sort I would of... argue that I would argue that's a privilege, not a guilty pleasure for me. What watching Channel 5 naked people? That's like you know the internet exists, don't you? No, see see it. Seeing, seeing people naked is a privilege for me. Like I say, you give me a lovely introduction saying I'm hardly Brad Pitt, so I'm going to take what I can get, to be honest with you. Well, it's true. Uh, so, yeah, that sort of brings us back around to that, actually, with the introduction. So, looking at um, you. So, you're 24, and you've decided yes. that you want to go into the wide world of acting. So, what was it that kind of... Uh, started that for you? Was it just that you were shit at school or did you <laughs> no, have a, have a hero not. that you aspired uh, to be like? Or Don't say Brad Pitt now after that comment. I was going to say, yeah, I'm a massive Brad Pitt fan. No, I am. Um, it sounds cliche, but it's kind of, I'm a classic example of one of those people that I kind of always been doing. So I, I've been part of a stage school since I was six year old. And then it's right. kind of it, it was it was it was my it was my norm sort of thing. It's like I was always used to juggling school with stage. Like I was quite into sports when I was younger, and I had I had that classic that um, conversation I had to have, especially with my dad when my football um, training was clashing with rehearsals for see some new musical, and, right. and we were kind of like I had to, I had to pick between one or the other. And I kind of, aged 11, accepted that there's not a chance for me um, when it comes to football. So I'm going to have to try, try it out with the acting. And now I've got to 24 and realised there's not a chance for me in that neither. So I'm a bit stuck now. But well, um, I think you've got a few years before you can say there's no chance. To be fair, I know, I've, I've, known, 
I've known people who've started their careers in the late forties and um, been doing quite well with it and stuff. So I, I think I think there's a, a never say never for sure in in the industry itself. Did your um, because I was similar. I don't ever remember having the chat with my mum and dad about saying, uh, I'm sure we did. I'm sure at some point, because when you pick your GCSEs and when you pick your A-levels, when you pick what uni you want to go to, I'm sure there's always going to be that chat of your mum and your dad saying, why are you doing this? Is this a good decision? You know, the old, where do you see yourself in 10 years or whatever it is? I'm sure that that occurred in my life. I just don't remember it. But I do seem to think that, uh, my dad or my mum or both did instill that I did something else with it. So, like, I could always do the drama, but I always also had... Uh, so, like, my A-levels was performing arts with business studies yeah. and media studies. So, and... um I always had the business thing there, and I genuinely can't remember if I kept that going because... I had an, a thing that I wanted to have that in the background because uh, to appease my mum and dad or whether they required that for me to do the acting, I had to do that. I don't know. Did your mum or dad say anything like that or did you have anything on the back burner as a fallback? No, so similar to that, I uh, very strangely similar, actually. So I did a lot, so basically... I'm from Sunderland in the northeast, and no, the majority of people I'd never in performing arts. Yeah, believe, believe it or not, yeah. But um, the majority of people in performing arts up there tend to, once they finish school, go to somewhere like Newcastle College and do like a BTEC in performing arts, something like that, before then seeking further vocational training at a London drama school or a drama school throughout the UK. Whereas I, I was very. I think it was a it was it was a bit of a decision on my parents' behalf in terms of having a fallback, but also because I enjoy I relative like I enjoyed school. I enjoyed um parts of the academic side as well. So I stayed on and I did my year levels just just because it was and also so my sixth form was attached to the same secondary school that I went to. Mine was yeah. and I think that and I think that played a big part in my decision at that age because I either had the option to go and basically start afresh um, and, you know, have to start all over again, which I kind of had my eye on having to do moving to London in any ways when I was getting to 18. So, it, well, if I was lucky enough to get into a drama school. So I decided to do my A-levels and stay on at the same school, kind of because all my friends were there, and it was it was basically the safest option I feel, and I'm glad I'm glad I did it in hindsight because it's kind of <clears throat> I've got them there should I need them. Yeah, uh, I say mine. Well, my secondary school did have a sixth one with it. I didn't go to it. I chose to leave and go to uh, college because it had a big theatre there that I wanted to. I've always sort of looked at the venues that where the training is and gone. You know, do I? see myself doing anything here and they had this big massive venue with all this seating that pulled out you could have it in any configuration that you liked and I thought yeah I really want to perform here and so that's why I went to the college likewise with uni so like for university level um you had it in your head to come to London straight away did you no no questions 
Yeah, but pr- pretty much because, and also in hindsight, I've said I've had this conversation with a few of my friends. In hindsight, so I auditioned for drama school, and then so I I went, I did a foundation year at a place called Artsed. And I'd already found out that I'd got into Artsed before I'd sat a lot of my exams. Right. And I think that played a big factor in... Yes, I still tried hard, but I've got a little... And I did well. It's just I've got... I've Obviously, hindsight's a wonderful thing. And sometimes I look back and think, would I have done better had I not already had gotten to Artsed and kind of known that I was going there and there was no there was almost no repercussions of my A-levels anymore, if that makes sense? Uh, I don't know. If you've, got the, if you've got the bug for it and you're determined, it might still not have changed anything because you'd still have had, I'm going to London or I'm going to do this or yeah, uh, I'm going down there to do that. Um, I, I, I mean, I... I I don't regret my decision, but I, I wasn't ready to move to London. I was in Yorkshire. And so I, I got into Mount View and I turned Mount View down and went to Wolverhampton. Funnily <laughs> enough, I don't... the decision behind it was <laughs> they just at that time had a lottery funding and basically like the, the university just owns the whole town of Wolverhampton. Literally, most buildings are owned by the university. And they'd had this new theatre built which was the arena theatre it might not have been a new theatre but it had just been redeveloped and everything was like brand new everything was like amazing it was a fantastic and again it goes back to the same thing I was saying before that as soon as I walked into that theatre I thought I want to perform in that theatre and the course yeah. was a practical course where I knew I would be performing in that theatre every year for the three years that I was there so I was like yeah, I, I want to do that. So I ended up, um, and part of the reason was it was a big move for me going from London to uh, going from Yorkshire to London, and that was kind of like halfway between. So I was a bit nearer home. So I was more comfortable with that move. And again, now that you've kind of spouted on about how old I am, this was a slightly different time <laughs> where you don't have the technology that we had. Now, so staying yeah. in contact with home was more on the phone and not visually. Like, I think I might have been a bit more comfortable if I could Skype my parents and family and stuff and yeah. uh, or do Zoom like we're doing now. Like, we didn't have that then. You know, we just had very, what now, very old rubbish phones. Um, yeah, I get that. They didn't do any of this stuff. So there was an element of leaving the family which is why I kind of ended up veering up there. But you just came straight down, which is fine. So you did, uh, you did outside. How long was that? Three years? Yeah, uh, a year. A year? No, just, just a year A year at outside and then three years at Mount View. That's right. So you went into Mount View after then. Uh, and you yeah. went to Mount View where it is now, down south, isn't it? Presumably that's why you're in Tooting, is it? Yes. So I so. Because it used to be up, was... it used to be up near me. Where, it used to be up where I live. Ironically, I moved very close because it used to be in Wood Green. Yeah, so my first year was Wood Green. Right, I live up near there. So there was, was yeah, kind of. They were still in Wood Green in my first year, and then we always we don't we I everyone moved there or went to Mount View, knowing that they'd be moving in any way sort of thing. 
So we did our first year at Wood Green, and then second and third year was in the new building in Peckham. I haven't seen the new building. Is it nice? It is. It's it's a bit of a weird. It's, it's very big. It's look. We just said it, it was a strange one because we all arrived in our first year, and it's it was weird because yes, they needed to leave Wood Green, and the building was very old. And, you know, maybe the facilities weren't as good as they could have been. However, it was full of character, if that makes sense. Yeah. And and I think that's something you can only get with somewhere that's been there for so long and seen so many people pass through it and kind of it's developed its own character. So I said, as good as the new Mountview building is, it's kind of still very much a blank canvas, in my opinion. Mm. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to take a bit of time I think I feel like naturally it's going to take a bit of time for it to gain a bit more character and a bit more bit of something about it because at the more like when we first went there it, it looked very prison like it was kind of it was grey concrete walls like stairs up the middle and everything and we all kind of arrived in our first year second year like oh wow this is a uh, this is quite a lot but it's changed even now I, w- I was only there a few weeks ago and um, even now, it's, it's starting to get, you know, there's stuff up on the walls. It's starting to breathe a bit of life into the space, which I feel like comes with time. Do they have uh, a performance space there or is it just training? They do, yes. So there's, there's two performance spaces. They've got somewhere called the Backstage Theatre, which is essentially like a black box sort of studio where you can do whatever you want with the space, essentially. Right. And that sits, that sits, 80, that's an 80 seater. And then they've got the Mac, which is the big, it's a big 200 seater sort of proscenium March theatre. Right. And that is, um, it's called the Mac because basically Cameron McIntosh, Sir Cameron McIntosh, right. um, he, he donated something like a million pounds, <laughs> must be nice. To, um, got it, to, the theater, to the theatre to help us and obviously support it, I think. And I think when someone support, <laughs> donates a million pounds or something like that, it's only fair of you to then name the theatre after that person. Yeah, it makes sense. It's a notable name. I haven't been down. And do they do public performances or is it all training? Because I've not heard of them in terms of running shows. No, no, no. They do they do public performances. So if you're BA like like I was, um, you do three public performances in your final year. And yeah, but I mean, are they all student shows or do they run uh, a, a like a rep system where they have companies come in and do? Ah, things? okay. Um, as far as I'm aware, I believe they're all student shows directly as a result of your training. Right. And okay. I think. But I know that Mountview, especially in the community of Peckham, they're trying to do a lot of outreach stuff um, in terms of involving the community. They have, so like, I, I know the school closes at about half five, six, training-wise, but on a night, you know, people use the studios for karate and stuff like that, I think. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, you see it at groups in the area. So I'm not sure whether... You'd like to hope that they'd they'd get a chance to maybe, if they've got a little show to put on, put it on in one of the theatres or something. I think that would be nice. 
All right. So, uh, and you quite uh, sounds a weird question, but in terms of your knowledge, now you've been out in the world and you've spoken to other people and what other courses do, uh, you think it was a, a worthwhile course? Like it, it did what you wanted it to do, or do you feel you missed anything? Or, um, yeah, definitely. It's like I said before, it's a weird one because hindsight's obviously a very interesting thing. Yeah, and yeah. I've always. I've always been big on my, the acting side. So I'm tra- I trained in musical theatre. That's what I'm trained in. I know I'm not going to sing for you on camera right now. I've heard it and I'd rather you didn't. It's all right. I was going to say, I can't give you a dance, but uh, I'll refuse to sing. But um, no, so I, uh, that's what I'm trained in. And part of me in hindsight goes, should I have done a course that was completely dedicated to just acting. Part of me says yes, because that's what I'm really interested in. But part of me also says no, because I had a fantastic time and learned a lot through um, training in musical theatre. And, you know, it's just added different strings to my bow, so to speak. But, um, I, yeah, it's, I mean, Mountview, fortunately, I feel, it's one of those places that name its name carries weight, thankfully. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 a very helpful thing to have on your CV. And it's a, it's a brilliant school to be a part of. There's some really, you know, the people make the place and, you know, there's some members of staff and there's, you know, students and, even some was when I was there the week, there was called Mary. And I was there. Like we would always talk to her, like how she was doing, how her family was and stuff. And when I went to see the show, I was queuing up to go into one of the theaters. And Mary came through the things and she just Yeah. Sorry, little glitch in the recording there. Apologies. Carry on. No worries. Where was I? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I was having computer issues and it was glitching at me a little bit, and you were going a bit crackly. And so I had to readjust my internet. So my apologies for that. Um, no, yeah, you were talking about Mary. Mary, yes. So what I assume was it's um, I was queuing up in the line and she she kind of came through cleaning the floor and she like pointed at me and she was like, I know you. I remember you. You came here. And I was like, yes, I did, Mary. It's lovely to see you. And so that was a nice little moment. And yeah, I, I love my I love my time at Mongi. I'm very, very fortunate for a lot of the people that I met there. But I think naturally, like I say, in hindsight, it's very easy. I've spoken to other people to go, what if I went there? Or what if I trained there? What if I trained in this? But the reality is I didn't. So here I am and I'm doing the best with what I've got, basically. Yeah, it is easy to sort of look back and say should I have done something different? I've often wondered if I should have done something that was a bit more musical theatre orientated because I I more so have a passion for theatre and live performance than I do, say, for filming. Um, mm. Unless I'm in the back. If I'm doing the camera operating, then I love the filming. You know, if I'm filming, directing, whatever, with the camera, I, I absolutely love that. But as an actor... I've found any filming I've done to be completely soul-destroying. But the problem is with most theatre stuff, it is kind of musical theatre. That's the biggie, especially in London. 
Especially so, in London, yeah, I was going to say. So uh, I do often regret that I didn't follow that or do anything with that because I mainly did uh, sort of straight theatre stuff. I've never done anything musical. Do you play instruments as well? Can you read music? Um, I, so guitar-wise, I play a little bit of guitar, um, but I'm no Jimi Hendrix. And um, well, yeah. I... I can note I can note bash on a piano and I can I can read the music very sl- slowly. I could tell you what stuff meant, but I wouldn't be able to sight read it essentially. So right. you couldn't put something in front of me and I'd be able to play it fluently. But if you let me sit down with it, I'd be able to tell you what each note was and point I it out on the piano. Like I, I tried so many times reading music and when we had singing lessons and at school and I was ho- horrific. Uh but I think it was my own um, sort of self-conscious, whatever, getting in the way. I think, because I, I do believe anybody can do anything with the right training. And it's yeah. not that my training was bad. It's just that I wouldn't allow it. Do you know what I mean? I was so stupid that I was like, I'm not, I don't want to sing, so I'm not going to be a singer. So I didn't put yeah. the effort in and therefore probably messed up on that side because I wish I'd have done a little bit more with it. Um I mean, having said that, I would never be particularly on the musical theatre side of things, really. Uh, I mean, if you could, if with what's on London now, and you were musical theatre maestro, genius, whatever, what what's your go to? What what do you want yes. to do? What who, who would you want to be? This 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 I know this answer is going to make you very happy, but well, you, can't, you can't be Sandy in Greece. No, that's not what I was going to come up with. That's Mary's job. <laughs> um, I was, uh, I'd love to be Marty McFly in Back to the Future, the musical. Would you? Oh. I'd absolutely love to do that gig. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to. It's, uh, to I, fair, I've yet to see the musical, actually. It's amazing. It literally, it really is amazing. And if I could pick a musical to be in, I'd probably go with that one. If in this illusion... Uh, or fantasy that we're creating, I don't look like me, then yeah, I would go totally oh, I more. See, I could see you as well. But a, a biff. Yeah, yeah. And I'll tell you what now, even with my singing chops as they are now, I would do a better job than the guy they had when I watched it. He was, wow. the, only, he was the only thing that wound me up throughout the whole show was the, the biff guy. Everything else they have nailed and the back to the future trilogy are my all-time favorite films although having said yeah, that we had um, we had mark on uh a while ago as a guest a couple of weeks ago uh mark from the shop at doctor who yes and he writes questions for mastermind so he does um uh of course he does. Why, why wouldn't yeah he? why wouldn't you of course so when I found this out, I thought, all right, I've got to get him on. He's got to test us. And so he did me questions on Back to the Future. And I think I failed miserably. I think I got like seven in, in the two minutes. I think we had a two-minute time. See, yeah. And I think I got seven uh, right, which was very embarrassing. Um, That's not too bad. But then in in he, he actually messaged me the other day because in uh, Mastermind, the actual TV show, which was on last week, uh, one of the guys' specialist subjects was Back to the Future, and they're Back to, I haven't been back to the look- Future. Yeah, yeah. He told me to go and look at the questions and see if I can answer them, and I haven't actually been and looked, so I don't know 
if I can answer the official mastermind, he didn't write them. Uh, someone else did, but he he does write questions for the mastermind show. Uh, which again, you wouldn't know knowing Mark <laughs> that he did that when you look at him. Was, I was going to say he's a bit of an enigma. Yeah, yeah, uh, which is That's great. It. But everyone's got all these talents, which is what I love and like uh, getting into it. Uh, so yeah, crikey, we are chatting longer than I thought. So. You've done all your training. You're out in the wide, wide world. You got yourself an agent. Did you get that via uh, the the original agent that you had? I know you've recently switched, but the the did you get that via Mount View or did you get that on your own accord or what did you do for that? Via the via the um, via the showcase at Mount View. So nice. basically, I don't. There's a thing called coronavirus. I don't know if you know about it. That, no, I've not um, heard it. Tell me about it. That it's basically this virus, but it's it's. <laughs> There's been a pandemic and everything, yeah. But I'm not getting into it. But basically, um, that. Um, so well, when was when was the first like? I know we're casting our minds back now, but when was the first like lock? Was it like February, March of 2020? It started kicking off stuff. Yeah, 23rd of March was the first lockdown. I was ill with coronavirus at the time. Um, 2020, and still don't have your smell back from it. By the way, still- which is crazy. Still don't don't have it back. No, I've been experiencing some weird stuff in my nose recently. Though. I don't know if it's fighting back or what, but um, yeah, still at the minute, no active active smell. But yeah, anyhow, it basically meant that. So I was still in my third year then, and it meant that my third year was cut short, and it all went it went online, and we still hadn't done our showcase, which was going to be at the Gillian Lynn Theatre in the West End. So that then became online and you had to do, I think it was like you two one minute cuts of a song and a 45 second monologue or whatever. And that then got sent out into the industry. And I sent a load of emails as well, just being like, hello, my name's Inslee. I'm looking for some representation. If you're looking for a cheeky Northern boy, basically. And then um, the uh, yeah, um, some people got in touch. I had a couple of meetings, and then got some offers through, and picked the agent that I thought best served me well and um, suited me best, I guess. So you've done that. you've done well there because I didn't realise you'd done that in the pandemic. That's an awful situation to not have your showcase. It's quite you know, it's a bit harsh, but. To find that way around it in the time frame that you did and still come out with an agent and stuff is pretty good going, to be fair. Um, especially because you I don't know what you guys have done in terms of online filming yourselves and stuff like that for it. When so, I when I say when I, when I say it was literally in a back bedroom against a bank wall with a phone balanced on books and lights here yeah, there and everywhere crazy, to try and make some that's literally that's literally what it became because we were kind of forced into this sort of the stuff that we hadn't really been exposed to before. Yes, we'd done little bits of filming and stuff, but you'd never kind of been on your own, if that makes sense. Yeah. You'd yeah, always totally. had some, someone there to support you. And to direct you and to help, like the showcase is supposed to be a big, uh, well, showcase, you know, a big event that you is yeah. directed and it's a performance. And we used to, I've 
in the theatres I've worked in, we've hosted so many performances, uh, showcases. That, again, I've directed a few myself. It's, it's, yeah, to have that sort of strict and to still come out, you know, smelling of roses is is a good, uh, is a good thing for you guys. And um, but was there anyone you know of who didn't fare well in that scenario? Um, thankfully, we all, so everyone in my year got signed and, um, Do you reckon that's because it's a, a Mount View thing or because they all did quite well thing? Because when, when you're throwing, because to be honest, if you're an agent and you've got all these companies, uh, sending you files, you're probably not yeah. going to open all of them. Like, but this you're going to open, you probably, there's probably still a lot of files there unopened from schools who, who who didn't have anything, you know, about them, any sort of name or anything like that. So again, what you yeah. were saying about the fact it's a good name probably helped them click on that file in the first place. To, to yeah, I was going to say I'd, I'd probably be lying if I said that it didn't help us because it probably did help us a lot. But <clears> I think there were all, there were some people. In my opinion, there were some people who maybe sign with people out with a sense of pressure or that they needed to sign if that made sense. Yeah. And I thought I thought that they not that they could do a lot better sort of thing. I just think that maybe they signed with people who weren't best suited to what they had to offer the industry, if that made sense. Yeah. Makes sense. I am going to go a little controversial here. This is Feud for Thoughts, remember, and that's one of the reasons I'm bringing it up, but also different times, different experiences. One thing that I had, uh, and I don't know if you felt this as well, is particularly with people vying for agents and stuff like that, there was a lot of emphasis in my training group on the uh, ethnic side of it. So if you were... uh, you know, a good-looking black male, you tend to get mm. showcased a little bit more, um, or not not pushed or showcased. That sounds wrong because uh, it just there tends to be a lot of uh, gravitas towards them because there weren't many people who could act that were of that particular skill, uh, of that ethnicity, and get on people's books. Did you have anything like that in yours? That there was a push towards that. Um, I don't necessarily think there was a push towards it in terms of trying to showcase anyone more than anyone else, if that makes sense. But I think... Uh, uh, I've phrased that very wrong, because I don't think anyone was particularly... I mean, the one person who came out of it was David Ajala, who is now uh, who I trained with and who is now the lead in Star Trek Discovery. And oh, no one who's ever met Dave will ever... I, I've not met anybody will ever say that he doesn't deserve every single thing that he's got because he was a grafter. Yeah. He, But he was aware of it and he was conscious. And I remember being, because uh, he used to sit in the foyer with me while I ran the theatre at the end and he'd go through the day's notes uh, and we'd, we'd go through things. And he was always trying to absorb as much information as he can. And the one thing that he did say to me out there, he says, I don't just want to be a black actor. I want to be yeah. David Jala. Do you know what I mean? I don't know if he said the David Jala, but yeah, he definitely in- told me he didn't just want to be a black... He doesn't want to be there just because he's a black guy. He wanted to be there because he was the right person to be there. And he is. But 
when we were training, there was always this, oh, yeah, you're going to be fine and because you're a black guy. And that, I think, was his all. He was always... He didn't want to be there just because he was a black guy. I think he was fighting that when he was training. I mean, he's knocked it out of the park now. There's no denying. He's he's one of the most successful people that's left my year group. Uh, and all the best to him, because he's annoyingly on top of all of that. He's one of the nicest guys I think I've ever met in my life. Um, yeah. uh, and, and like I said, no one has ever said a bad word about him. But there is that thing that the, the uh, pushing them was the wrong word. That's not what I meant. I meant the opposite, actually, because there was, he was kind of, um, given this assurance based on his ethnicity, and I don't think that was the fair point that I was making. Yeah, well, going off that, I've I've had I've got friends from my year group and across the industry and as a whole from all sorts of different cultures, ethnicities, you know, spanning a whole host of different stuff, and I've had lots of conversations with them about stuff like this because you know the industry is very. Um, Hell bent on representation at the, mo- at the it moment, is now. which yeah, as, as it as it rightly should be, in my opinion. You know, if especially if you're trying to shine a mirror on society, then you've got to reflect um, reflect society as a whole. Totally. And especially, especially London, London, London's a a multicultural hub of all sorts of different people. But I've had I have had that conversation with my friends in terms of being like what how do you take it in terms of like I've, I've got an Asian friend um, a friend from um Thailand and he he spoke to me before about he he worries sometimes about being uh, it's going to sound bad please forgive my phrasing of this but he worries about sometimes being the token Asian in yeah. the room if that makes sense no, I understand in terms of uh, I understand that that's his worries not our perception so it's not you saying anything yeah. about that yeah yeah, he he just he doesn't want to essentially. He he wants to be there off of his own back and his own talent because he's the right person for the job, as opposed to you know a, he's he doesn't want to be there because producers seeing the way he looks and then when brilliant he takes a box. Look how good of a person we are because we're showing we're representing Asian people on stage. If that makes sense. Totally, and I think there is a lot of that happening. Because yeah, I agree. I agree. This, I agree with you. Of society now, and that's not against, and that's not. It's very hard because it's not saying that they don't deserve to be there, but I think everybody wants them to be there for the right reasons, and I don't yeah. think production people see it like that. They see it like you say as a as a check box, um, and you know it can swing both ways. You know, one day someone might be looking for a fat old northerner and a a young. Geordie idiot and Brad, that, Brad might, that might be the reasons we're there one day. I don't know, but you'd like to think it's because of your own merit and stuff. And I'm, I'm sure, hopefully, it is. Uh, one thing I experienced when I went out into the world of acting was I do remember uh, a distinct difference. So, like when I was in the class, when I was training, I was pretty much in my group the only uh, big northerner. And at the time, yeah. this was when people like Peter Kay and things like that were getting more and more popular. The Northern accent was becoming far more acceptable yeah. than it was being RP every time. Because trying to do the RP thing all the time, everywhere you go, was infuriating. Um, but also, the more it was accepted as that. So you kind of think, okay, in this group of people that I'm here, I, I am the only 
guy my size with my look, my thing, whatever. Uh, and that was great. And I got a lot of casting. I got a lot of good roles when I was doing stuff. But then I went to an audition and I walked into a room that was full of people who looked and spoke exactly like me. Did you ever yeah. have that first experience where you think, I've got, you, you read the description and you think, oh, I've got this. And then you walk into the room and you're like, Jesus Christ, how many of me are there in the world? Yeah. Like that was the most daunting Funny thing enough. to me. Yeah, but perspective-wise, it's interesting because I'm I'm yet to have that. So I'm yet to walk into a room where I've went, you know, there's a lot of other people like me. However, the flip side of it is, is I've definitely had the experience of I've walked into a room where there's been a lot of, you know, average height, brown head, white males who yeah. all look relatively the same. But then my flip side of that, and thankfully one thing that my training and moving down to London taught me was that my accent is my USP. Yeah. It's like my unique selling point. So then if I, I kind of subconsciously clock that in the room and then I go, okay, I've got to lead with my personality. I've got to lead with my Northern charm or you know, mm. whatever people call it, because that's, I'm like, that's what's going to make me, stand out from the rest of these guys because like if you stood us all on the line at a police inquiry someone would struggle to point out to yeah, the, exactly. you know, it's a horrible experience uh, and yeah obviously I hadn't heard all these guys speak so I don't know how many of them were northern and how many weren't but yeah you're right exactly the same thing is that I feel right I'm going to go in and I'm going to do the northern and hopefully if they decide actually can you do it somewhere like this then you can change it which is the beauty yeah. as well of doing an actual audition, which I prefer. Uh, obviously, over the last two years or so, uh, self-tapes have become a bit of a, a thing now. I mean, I dare say it's 50-50 even now. On, yeah, on... I've, 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 had, I've definitely had more self-tape auditions than I have in person auditions. Well, that's because you've, you've, you've come out into, into, the, into coronavirus. Yeah, yeah in, in, in an industry that's doing that. Um, so, and I think a lot of the castings I see coming through now, because I get my spotlight stuff, is, um, yeah, it, I'd say it's about 50-50 from the things I've seen, that there are still a lot of self-tape out there. But the uh, the the thing about a self-tape is you just don't know if you're doing what they want. Whereas in an audition, they'll no. go, actually, if they're interested in you, they'll go, actually, can you just try it this way? And then you know, well, at least I've got your interest, so now I'll see if I can get what you want. Whereas if you're doing it on a self-tape, you don't even know if you've got their interest. They could have turned that tape off by two seconds in, you know. Yeah. It's really hard, I think. It's a hard industry I think it also, as I, a whole, but I think it's devastatingly hard right now. Um, yeah. I think uh, for, it also works the... Um, I think it also works the flip side of that way as well, in terms of the other side is sometimes in an audition, you can go in, you do it once, if you cock it up, then that's your lot sort of thing. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, Whereas yeah. with the self-tape, self you can you can self-monitor. I know it's sometimes more damaging but, to self-criticise and monitor yourself, but you can, oh, but you can do self That, again, is on the decision you're making that you're doing yeah. what they want. Now, if As you're doing it... what yeah. they actually want. Yeah, if you assume you're doing it the way they want, and then, yeah, you get the option to do it right, but you still don't know that you're doing what they want. 
They yeah. can only tell you that. And they're not going to ring you up and say, sorry, could you just film all that again, but do it in this other way for me? Uh, oh, well, I mean, I said that. Sometimes <laughs> they might. I don't know. But my experience of it is they make the decisions pretty much straight after that. You know, they'll watch all the tape yeah. back and go, right. Or send them to who they want. Um, which is Which is, you know, great. So ideal world for you then. Would you um, want to do a musical, uh, a musical theatre show, a straight theatre show, or do you have aims for film and TV? I'd, I mean, obviously, in an ideal world, I'd like to do a bit of everything. You know, I'd like to try and be as versatile as possible and cross loads of different um, realms and I've, I've been quite fortunate in the sense of I've, I've, can't, I've got a little bit of experience now in in everything if that makes it so I yeah. can kind of I can kind of lead with that because that's what I always want you know I, I, I'm, I'm very much a project driven kind of a person like if the project's right then I don't care if it's a, a musical a short film a, a radio piece whatever it's very so so I'm trained in musical theatre, but I'm I'm currently rehearsing for a play that I'm gonna be in, which is just straight. There's no there's no jazz hands or singing and dancing and that. It's it's a very hard hitting sort of a play. And um but then I've also auditioned for short films, TV, stuff like that. And yeah, I think it's if you want to be especially in today's society, and you know, there are some people who want to just do musical theatre or want to just do plays or want to just do TV. And that's, that's you know, that's their decision and that's brilliant for them. Like, I'm all for that. It's just, for me personally, I'd love to try and do as many things as possible because I think that's, that's there's a lot of your craft to be learnt in doing different stuff and how different things are Definitely, definitely. Like the, the different methods and different disciplines that you need... Uh, like I said, for acting in front of a camera, uh, you need to have a very disciplined way of being. Uh, obviously, yeah. in the job you've got now, you're quite used to just sitting and doing nothing for a bit. So uh, you just kind of do that there as well. Like, there's lots of stop, starts, stop, starts. To keep the character and the story going, you need to do that. Likewise, <clears throat> with a theatre show, you've got to be able to do the same thing every night and be happy with it on long periods. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. It's quite hard to do the same thing for three weeks, three months, three years. Some people get contracts where they're just doing the same thing day in and day out. You have to really like that live interaction with the audience, yeah. um, which I, I totally do. And why, you know, we're both currently working at the Doctor Who thing, the immersive side of it, I think is a brilliant form of, of theatre discipline as well. Absolutely. It's very interactive. And uh, as an actor, you can have very different experiences every night if you allow yourself to you know i mean some of the actors get a bit grumpy and what have you i personally don't see why considering every one of my staff including me i should say because as a doctor who fan would love to have their jobs and yet they seem to get a bit grumpy with it sometimes which is crazy uh we've talked for a long time mate we've probably gone over a little bit but um as you've seen from some of the uh, subjects that we were talking about earlier, we tend to try and dip into serious stuff and funny stuff and just keep it light, keep it whatever. Depends what comes up at each time. So, uh, I mean, I'd love to have you back on when Ben's here and we're doing a funny one because I know you've got a lot of um, fun personality in there as well, that little head of yours. 
And I kind of felt I've kept I loved a, bit, a bit tamed around the thing because it's interesting for me to see the perspective on the acting stuff coming up. You know, you're a good 10, 15 years um, behind me. So it's interesting to see how it's a different. good, a good, might I add, a good 10, 15 years. Steady on. We've still got to work together tonight. That's the key part. Um, but yeah, um, we do have to do that. But uh, yeah, no, thank you very much for coming on, sir. And hopefully we'll have you on again and uh, meet with uh, Ben because there's some other stuff I'd, I would quite like to chat about down the line. Um, but yeah, you've helped me not chat to myself for an hour, which has been delightful for both me and anyone who's listening to this. And um, so, yeah, until next week, I'm going to leave it there. If you've got any opinions on anything that me or Ainsley have spoken about, please do tweet us at Feud Thoughts. Uh, if you want us to talk about anything specific, again, tweet us at Feud Thoughts. And Next week, we should have Benjamin back in play, Reddit host from the beginning, and me just being able to ramble like an idiot like I normally do. Um, but until then, it's uh, goodbye from me and my esteemed uh, co-host today, Ainsley F- Fannon. I didn't even give you your first name before. Fannon, yes. Yeah. And Go- if goodbye. You wanna- Thank you very much yeah. for having us. No worries. Thank you very much. Good night. <laughs>